Check, check. Hey, good morning, church family. Who's out there? Anybody out there? Yeah, good morning, guys. We want to welcome those of you joining us online. Welcome to Cornerstone. We are gathering today to glorify God. We want to invite you all to praise him with us. Lift your voices wherever you are. We're going to teach you a new one this morning, okay? And by the way, reminder, those of you here in your cars, 104.7 FM, if you want to tune in and hear on your radio, okay? Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for the testimony of your goodness. Here we go. I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders, and I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. We wrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'll justify. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Yeah. Come together, sons and daughters. So come together, sons and daughters. Blood and washed in water and sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Yes, our God will finish what He started. Oh, this is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. Jesus Christ the righteous are justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Yes, we sing, Lord, praise. Oh, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, you've delivered us, God, from bondage, from sin. Let's sing this out. He's still got something to do. He's got greater things ahead of us, church. We believe that together this morning. We proclaim it. Ooh, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Amen. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. No, you're not. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. Oh, oh. This is my testimony from death to life. Because grace rewrote my story. I testify. 
By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony Oh, I'm alive This is my testimony From death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony Jesus, for the good testimony we have in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise this morning. We give you all the praise. Our deliverer, our freedom, our hope. Aren't you grateful? Are you grateful for Jesus this morning, for what he's done? I'm so thankful. Amen. Just lift your voice in your car, at your house. Jesus, we give you praise. We lift you up our deliverer, our healer, our king, our savior. And we will not be silent, God. We will cry out today. We will proclaim all that you've done. Lord, you took us sinners and you saved our souls. Lord, we give you praise for all our days. The redeemed of the Lord will sing your praise. We've all got a testimony. We sing it out today. He led me out of the desert. He brought me into the streams, river of living water. Yeah, he turned my bitter into sweet. And all my burdens are lifted, right? He took the shackles off my feet. And there's no sound louder than a captive set free. Lift it up. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises evermore. And pour out your thankfulness. Just let it overflow. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We say so. us with joy, cause there's joy in the morning, it's stirring up in my soul, there's life worth living, oh because he calls me his own, and there's a hallelujah, after sweet victory, no there's no sound louder than a captive set free have you been set free there's no sound louder than a captive set free go so let the redeemed of the lord say so we'll sing of his promises evermore and we'll pour out your thankfulness and let it overflow let the redeemed of the lord say so we say so lord thank you jesus you are my deliverer you freedom i'm living in 
You are my deliverer. You are my promised land. You are. You are my deliverer. The freedom I'm living in, Jesus. You are my deliverer. You are my promise. Sing it out, church. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises evermore and pour out your thankfulness. Gonna let it overflow. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so and pour out your thankfulness. Let it overflow. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so we sing your praise oh, for all my days of Jesus oh, oh, my freedom my healer deliverer deliverer Jesus. Oh, 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 oh we thank you Jesus Set us free. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's my encouragement this morning, my heart for us. With so many distractions, so many things that would take the focus of our mind, I just encourage you in this. Can we shift our gaze to Jesus? Can we put our minds and our hearts on Jesus? Would you do that with me this morning? Make him the center of your attention right now. How could we come together for worship and not focus on the Savior of our soul? Jesus, oh Jesus, you've set this captive free. You've made a way, God. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We set our eyes on you, fix our gaze upon the Savior, the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Set us free. Wherever you are, just bring to your mind the love of Christ, what he's done for you, and worship him. Sing it with us. I will rest. 
I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence so oh, is your faithful. Sing it out. I will rest in your promises. My confidence, Jesus, oh, is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Faithful you are, oh, faithful forever you will be. You're faithful, you are, oh, oh. and all your promises are yes and amen. Jesus, all your promises are yes and amen. Oh, all your promises are yes and amen. Lord, we lift our voice in praise. We lift our voice in worship to you, Jesus. Jesus, praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Aren't you grateful for the promises of God? We stand on your word. God, we stand on your word today. We stand on your truth. Thank you, Jesus. Who you are means everything to us, God. We worship you, Lord. Sing this with us. I am blessed. I am cold. I am healed. I am whole. I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, and filled with your power for the glory of Jesus. Sing it again. It's because of Jesus. I am blessed, I am cold, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, and filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. God, you're so All together, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good. 
lift our shouts of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Are you thankful this morning? Amen. We are so grateful to be together worshiping and lifting our voices, right? Amen. Amen. I encourage you to take a moment, maybe look around you, see who's in the car next to you. Those of you at home, turn to your family and say hi to them. Give them a big hug. We're glad you joined us for church this morning. Welcome, family. Good morning. For those of you here and those of you online, um, I'm happy for you. <laughs> we get to worship God, right? You're, you're the blessed of the Lord. I want to make an executive decision. For those of you out here, if you get too hot, feel free to go inside. You can watch it on the big screen. You're welcome to do that. Anybody in the cars or whatever, if you're too hot, feel free to, to go in. We have seats set up um, in uh, social distancing, so you can do that. We, um, we didn't plan to open it fully up yet until next week. Um, those of you, uh, you know, were ready to come a couple weeks ago. We, uh, we had a Saturday night, uh, you know, shout out to go, hey, we have to cancel everything. We had our almost entire leadership team in quarantine, and it happened all of a sudden where someone was, had, was sick that actually hadn't been to church, but they were connected to a bunch of people in our church, and, that, and one in particular who had had a lot, of, uh, a lot of social time with other people in the church and our leadership team and everybody was kind of in quarantine and we got a last minute, hey, I can't come, I can't come, I can't come, I'm in quarantine and they were our team, our leadership team. We couldn't pull it together. So um, we, uh, we made a decision and I think it was the right one. Um, one of the ladies who um, got sick and several of the people who were in quarantine ended up getting the virus and one of the ladies ended up in, uh, in in the, in the hospital and in a very serious condition down to it was getting down to the wire and uh, she was taking in the most oxygen pure oxygen and the next step was a ventilator and the doctors were concerned they were waiting for plasma um, which is one of the new ways in which they're treating the virus and they've been out and they couldn't get it and uh, they sent out a shout out for prayer and our prayer chain got on it 30 minutes after that shout out to prayer happened. Um, the plasma showed up. They came in, told her, get, get ready. You know, they got her ready and they, they Im immediately uh, uh, put her on it. And uh, by the next morning, her oxygen levels went up. Next day, they put the, her oxygen, they didn't have to give her as much oxygen. And uh, a couple days later, she was home. So God is good, and we're gracious. God's gracious. So, so but we are going to have uh, service indoor uh, next week as well. We will continue our outdoor service. And, uh, and considering um, summer and um, the heat, yesterday, today's supposed to be pretty hot. I think it's pretty hot out there, isn't it? Um, I'm going to shade those of you out in the sun. 
Um, how many of you, I, I'm going to take a little poll. Um, I'm talking to those that are in your cars right now. But how many of you, if we had a drive-in service earlier, um, let's say 7.30 to beat the heat, um, <clears throat> would you, I, I can't tell by that, but there's quite a few. Could you put your lights on if you would go, I would show up at a 7.30. Would you just do that real quick? Put your lights on. I just want to see how many of you would, um, would be there. It looks like there, there's enough that we could, we could do it. We could do it. Thank you. Thank you. I don't want any batteries to die, but thank you. Um, we'll let you know. We'll keep you informed on that. Um, so we're, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we get a chance to open up the truth that sets us free. And Father, I pray that to today as we open your word, that our hearts will be open to receive, Lord, what you want to speak to us, God, today, and uh, that you would be honored in Jesus' name. Amen. In, um, in C.S. Lewis's book, the, um, the Abolition of Man. I've read that book a s several times. It's a, it's a great book. But he says this, it's kind of prophetically. Um, he says that the problem back then, it, he, he said, um, was the new teaching of relativism. Relativism. The idea that there are no absolute truths. And he said this, um, that it would lead to the decay of morality and a lack of virtue within society. He said, without a belief in, the, in and in the teaching of universal moral laws, talking about the scriptures, we fail to educate the heart and are left with intelligent men who believe like animals, or as, Lewis, uh, as he put it, he calls it, men without chess. He calls them men without chess. He says the problem is they, they either operate out of their guts, their emotion, or they operate out of their head, but there's not the core of belief system that actually makes it, makes what society, in fact, lives in the way that God wants and desires for man to live in such a, a much better way. And, it's, and the idea is that it produces these, um, he produces people who have no core. And, and the, the, the difference that is made, if followers of Christ live as people with chests, he says, strong hearts filled with God's truth, the world will take action, they'll take notice. If, if the church would rise up, you know, and the men of the church would rise up and be men, he said, he calls it, with chess, you know, that, 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 would, that would change our society and society would take notice because there's not enough of us that are operating that way. I, I chose a portion of scripture that I see a man in the scripture who you would say, that man's got a chess, you know, according to to C.S. Lewis's definition. We just say he's a man of courage. This is a man that's got some guts. And, and he's, he's a faith-filled man with guts. 
You know, when we look at the stories in the, the scripture, both in the Old and New Testament, when we see a narrative, it gives us an opportunity to place ourselves in the middle of the narrative. So that's what we, you know, when, when we see that, we go, where would I fit in this? What would be my response? What would be my action in the middle of this kind of scenario, this, this, this story? And it helps us to, help, to kind of evaluate ourselves in a proper way when we take and put ourselves in the middle of those, those stories. So um, we're, we're going to be in the 14th chapter of the, of the book of, of 1 Samuel. And the, the background story to this is a simple one. Um, the, the children of Israel under Saul have been weakened and weakened and weakened because Saul is not a man of faith or courage. And so, so King Saul... Um, that have they now are pretty much under the control of the Philistines, and they have uh, there, there was an attack, there was a small attack against a garrison of the Philistines, and it riled up the Philistines. So the Philistines decided they were going to come full force against the Israelites. And so, in chapter 13, it says that they had they brought the Philistines brought 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and, and a people as the sand of the sea. In other words, there are so many people, you couldn't really number them. That's how many soldiers that the Philistines had brought against the Israelites. Now, the Israelites then go into caves. They start hiding. They start, um, they start seeing what's going on, and they start running and hiding and finding places that they could just hide out and out of fear of what's going on. And what had happened is actually the Philistines had, over a period of time, disarmed the entire Israeli army. They shut down all the blacksmiths so they could not make swords. It's kind of like today, like all the gun manufacturers were shut down and they, cannot, they can't defend themselves. And so now that they're in, they, they are in that place, they can't defend themselves, they are... Um, you know, there, there's the, the only people actually that have swords is Saul, the king, and his son, Jonathan. So they have to try to find anything they can to defend themselves. You know, if they have a hoe or whatever, you know, in their, in, in their, uh, you know, in, in their gardener, in their garden, they, they just would take whatever they had and they didn't have very much to defend themselves. So they're hiding out and, um, and that's where the story is. The, ch the children of Israel are hiding out um, and the scripture picks up in verse uh, 1 of chapter 14. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. Now, he takes his armor bearer and he says, Let's go find out what's going on. Let's go see what's happening. Let's find ourselves a garrison from the Philistines. Now, he didn't tell his father that he, was, that he was going. Now, why wouldn't you tell your dad you're going someplace like that? Well, because you know what your dad's answer would be, right? You know, when you're growing up and you're probably getting to a place and you want to do something that you know your dad didn't want, you don't tell him, right? Now, I'm not advocating that. But in this case, he was a grown man. He didn't tell his dad. And the reason he didn't tell his dad is because he knows his dad will say no. 
He knows what he wants to do. This, and, and it really is out of his courage, out of his, out of his faith. But his dad, see, Jonathan's dad was a wimp. He was, he was a wimp. He was faithless. He had no courage. And he is, he's always have, you know, he, he's, he allows everybody else to get out there and, and maybe suffer the consequences of things and fight for him at times. But he himself is not the, he, he doesn't meet up to his stature, his physical stature. He's outside, he looks like this is a, a real man's man. On the inside, he's just a wimp. And, and there comes in times in, in our life, we have to be careful. Because you can't follow people with a wimpy faith. You just can't, you cannot follow people with a wimpy faith. If, if, you can lead people with a wimpy faith, but you cannot follow people with a wimpy faith. And so Jonathan goes out, and the scripture says in verse 2, Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which, which is in Migron, and the people who were with him were about 600. So every, every, all the soldiers are hiding. There's only about 600 now who are surrounding Saul basically to protect him. And then in the middle of verse 3, it says, The son of Eli, the Lord's priest, Shiloh, was wearing an ephod, but the people didn't know that Jonathan had gone. So they're all sitting there, and there's some people there that's mentioned, and one of them is the priest, who is the son of Eli, and he has, he's wearing the ephod. The ephod was the, 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 um, uh, the, the, the tool by which they would ask God and and he, um, you know, as a, as a priest, he would wear the ephod before and, uh, and as a representative of God. So between the, pa- it says verse 4, between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over the Philistine garrison, there was sharp rocks on one side and sharp rocks on the other side. So he's looking up and there's actually this, the, the location, if you were to see it, it looks like a cliff. It is really steep. So he's at the base, he's looking up, and he sees up, you know, that, that that's where the garrison is up top. And it's going to be some trouble getting there. But this, is, this barrier was not going to hinder him from seeing what God wanted to do. He was on an expedition to see what would God do. What could, what, would, what do you think God might want to do? Do you ever go on an expedition like that in your life where you're going, you know, I just need to find out what the Lord wants. I need to find out what God is trying to accomplish. Do you think God might do something that is extraordinary in this situation? Maybe God wants to press us a little bit further. And we, need to, we, we don't really know what God wants at the time. But faith-filled, courageous people are always trying to look, always trying to see. They, they already, always want to go to the edge of the cliff and kind of look over and see, what does God have for me? And so Jonathan is searching, and, and Jonathan has this heart that I believe inside of all of us is there. Sometimes it just gets suppressed. Jonathan has the heart of, I just call it, a dragon slayer. He, he, he is a dragon slayer. 
See, we've been all called, we've been all made as followers of Christ to be dragon slayers. We're going to conquer the enemy. The dragon, Satan, is meant to be slain by the church of Jesus Christ. And so, he, he, have you ever, have you ever, let me just say this, have you ever failed at something you tried? Have you ever tried something that you thought might work and it didn't and it just failed? Have anybody have that happen? <clears throat> I just want to say this. If you never failed, you never tried. That's the problem. If you've never tra- failed, you've never had enough faith, you've never had enough courage to try. Failure keeps and binds people so much from the opportunities that God actually wants to accomplish in our life, the fear of failure. And some of us never get beyond the fear of failure in our life. Or sometimes we can look back and say, you know what, I used to be so much more courageous. What happened? You started, maybe you went through a a situation that caused failure. Maybe there's a situation that didn't turn out the way you wanted. You stepped out in faith. I remember a man telling me a story how he stepped out in faith at his workplace to pray over a person that was sick, a person that was actually paralyzed. And he had had an element of faith, probably stepped out in a, in a way that was not, you know, he, he wasn't wise in it because he called everybody in the, in the thing and said, God's going to heal this person and went and laid hands on him and prayed for him and they didn't get healed. And then, you know, it came back on him and, and it, it completely destroyed him. And from that point on, he just blamed God that God never, really, you know, couldn't, couldn't come through and he never stepped out in faith in doing anything else. He went from like stepping out, like way out, right, on the limb and, and it didn't happen. And then from that point on, he said, well, that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Unfortunately, his whole life became a pattern of failure in his life, not because he tried, but because he failed to trust God in anything else in his life. And what a mistake that was, what God could have done. I've seen others who have stepped out in faith. And sometimes we step out in faith and we overstep the bounds and it's more presumption than faith and we make mistakes in our attempts. But the people who have even walked through that and failed and then still get back up and go, you know, I'm going to trust God. I must have done something wrong here. I didn't operate. I don't know, but I'm not going to quit following God or letting God have opportunity to use me in my life because I've had failure. And in in this case, Jonathan is willing. See, he has the right heart. And and he doesn't actually know for sure if God is going to actually do what he's hoping God will do. Notice it says in verse 6, Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. So he's saying, these men are not people who trust God. Let's go over and see what God will do. And, and then that, this famous portion of the scripture, it may be that the Lord will work for us. See, he thinks he's hearing from God, kind of, but he's not absolutely sure. Anybody have been in that place? Well, you think you're, you're trying to hear from God. You think you got what God wants, but you're not absolutely sure. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
We all face that. We walk through that. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit to help us, and we have a more sure word than Jonathan had. But he was trying to, in fact, um, hear what God was saying, and he, but, but his, this is his attitude. It may be that the Lord will work for us. But what if God doesn't work for him? He's dead, right? But this is the way Jonathan's thinking. He has the end, he has the, the end in mind, he has an end in mind thinking. He, he has this view. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? They'll kill me. They'll kill me. Now, some of us think that's the worst possible thing that could happen to us, that we would die. But his thinking is really what Jesus was trying to implant into our lives. And that is this, the end is not the end. And if, if we're bound by the fear, the constant fear of possible, even death. I mean, that's the, most of us never make decisions that have anything to do with life and death in that way. Most of our decisions have to do with elements of time, possibilities of embarrassment, you know, possibility of failure, temporary setbacks. These are the kinds of things we tend to be more, you know, that, that sense tends to be the, the scenario possibility, the, 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 the worst case scenario in some of the decisions that we make in our life. But, but Jonathan's worst case scenario is death. And he's saying, well, maybe the Lord will be with us. What could be worse than what we're already facing in our life? We're, we're living in oppression we're not operating under the power of God. Why would we allow for our lives to be fully living under this oppression simply because we want to live? What is that kind of life to live? And I think sometimes we settle for a life that is so boring. I'm, I'm just so boring because we're not willing to step out and take steps of faith to live the adventurous life that God desires for us in our life. God desires for us to live adventurous lives. Some of you know, some of you have a past of living adventurously. But some of that has really kind of gone, well, maybe for whatever reason. I, I'm not just talking to you on this one. I'm talking to myself. I was thinking, uh, there was a... There's been a real move of God, folks. God is doing something. And I was telling somebody actually this morning, I was saying, you know, I believe our nation is right at the brink. It's right at the brink. I think it can go one way or the other. I think it's our decision. I think if the church doesn't rise up and if the church doesn't take a stand, if the church doesn't stop hiding in caves, well, then, then our nation's going to, going to face the consequences of our lack of, of confidence and faith and courage. And I, I see it all over the place. I mean, I, what's amazing to me how simple it is to stand up for God on social media and how many people are just afraid even to go there. I mean, and you're anonymous pretty much, you know, I'm, and a few friends. And you might be 
un, you know, what defriended, unfriended. And what a tragedy that would be, right? <clears throat> and, and yet there's this, there, there's this fear in, in, in so many of us to stand with any kind of courage for the things of God. And I'm not talking about, you know, choosing a fight that isn't, isn't worth the fight or choosing a fight that isn't what, you know, God would have you choose. But I am talking about standing up for truth because there is an absolute truth and having a chest and being the kind of people who'll say you know what I'll, I'll stand up for God I'll take the hit if that's what it takes and that's what Jonathan is willing to do and he has a courage and he has a, he has a, a, a comfortableness with whatever God wants and whatever God will do in the, in the process and then it sa- he says this. For, he says, it, it may be that the Lord will work for us. And then he says, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Nothing restrains the Lord. Maybe God will use you. Now, there's, there's, there's tons of stories, not only in the Bible, but stories of people, men and women throughout history. I could just throw some great stories at you about people, individuals who stood up and said, you know what, I'm going to do this. They have a passion for it. God used them and it changed the world. There are all kinds of those kinds of stories. Usually they're big and dramatic and amazing and everybody goes, ah. But that's not what we're, you know, those are, those stories actually oftentimes don't even inspire us. Sometimes those stories deflate us because we go, I don't have that kind of faith. But what about the stories of the person who goes across the street and risks a relationship with their neighbor, but decides, you know, I got to tell them about Jesus. What, what about coming out of the cave at your workplace so people know that you're a Christian? You know, what, what about those opportunities when you're at the restaurant, soon to be, or what have you, and, you know, and the waiter or waitress comes and the Lord, you, you get this impression Ask them if there's anything you could pray for them about. Now, I don't know what you think is going to happen to your food if you do that. But it's certainly not the worst case scenario. You're not going to get poisoned. Pretty sure about that one. You know what I'm saying? It, a lot of these things are little things. They start off, you don't know what, where it's going. I'm not saying that everybody needs to, you know put on a loincloth and ship themselves over to Africa and become a missionary. But if God leads you, do it. But all of us need to take and become more courageous in our lives. All of us need to have more confidence in the things of God. All of us need to say, you know what, I need to step a little bit further in my faith because God wants to do something in my life. And I think we need to keep coming back to it because we have times of great courage. 
Maybe you can look back in your life when you first came to the Lord, how exuberant you might have been. And maybe in those times you were willing to, well, you're willing to risk anything. But what's happened? The scripture says that as Jonathan said to his armor bearer, and his armor bearer, after Jonathan uh, called his armor bearer to follow him, the armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then where I, uh, here I am with you according to your heart. You know, God calls us and when we step out to make a difference, we really need people in our circle that have the kind of faith that we have or greater. We need those people in our life. We need those people to say, hey, I'm with you wherever you're going. We need cheerleaders in our life. We need faith-filled people. We need to be people who encourage people in faith that, that say, hey, let's go do this. Let's start something. Let's do something for God. We've had challenges um, getting growth groups started. And I know, I know, there's a hundred people out there that you are more than capable of opening up your house or op being a, of leading a, a growth group. You might not think you're capable of it, but you are more than capable of doing it. If you operate in faith, have a little courage. And, and, and I just wonder... And I'm not begging on those who are not growth group leaders. I don't think everybody's supposed to be. But I know that there are people that God calls. God's working. And I'm just saying there are things that God's called us to. And we need to be more faithful. We need to say, God, you know, if the Lord's with me, I might not know for sure. But you know, it sounds like a pretty good thing to do. Probably it would be a good thing to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to, I'm not hearing the audible voice of God to tell me to do this, but you know, it's probably a good thing to do. Why don't we see if God will do something? Why don't we step out and see what God will do? We're not, we're, we need to do more of that. The church has to do more of that. In these days, the body of Christ has got to become more courageous. We have to. And Jonathan said, very, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. So um, <clears throat> that's kind of the one thing you don't want to do if you're in battle. The one thing you don't want to do is show yourself to the enemy, especially if you're outnumbered. You want to sneak behind and, and you want to catch him off guard. But see, Jonathan is in this situation is not about making things easy. Jonathan is about the glory of God, that everything would come from the glory of God. He's not even sure if he's supposed to actually go to battle with these guys, but he wants to see if God's in it. And so that's what he does. He starts off and he says, let's go show ourselves to them. And, uh, and if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. So he says, we're not going to fight, basically. But if they say to us, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. So he says, let's put this out there. If they say, come to us, by the way, which is also more difficult because where they are, at the, like I said, at the top of this 
this cliff. And they had to climb up basically on their knees to get up that cliff. And you, you read that, how, how difficult that was for them. And, and so the garrison basically, you know, they say to them, um, in verse 11 at the end, they say, um, come up to us and we will show you something. That's the New King James Version. I, I like this other version that says, we will teach you a thing or two. Okay? They go, you come on up. We'll teach you a thing or two. We'll take you. We're going to take you out. Because, see, they believed in themselves. Jonathan believed in God. Our culture is teaching people that you need to believe in yourself. You need to believe in yourself. The Bible tells us it's not ourselves that we need to believe in. We need to believe in God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where we need to have our faith. And this whole idea, if I just believe in myself, it might help you be a better basketball player, but it will not help you in life altogether. You know what I'm saying? We look at people take athletics and different things and say, I just have to believe in myself. There's a better way, and that way is to believe in God and to trust God. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into our hands, into the hands of, into the hands of Israel. See this? He's doing this, this as a representative of his people. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees. That's what I said. And the armor bearer after them. They went up this cliff. And as they came after him, his armor bearer killed them. Uh, as, and they fell before Jonathan and um, his armor bearer after him. And they, they fell before him. And, um, and that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. So they, they two guys handled 20. And then um, it says, and there, were, there was trembling in the camp in the field and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled and the earthquake, the, and, and the earthquake so that it was very great trembling. So what happened? Well, the, from a distance, the other garrisons are seeing that they're, they're, um, the, the, the Philistines are being destroyed. They start to panic. They start to panic. Now, Jonathan could not have anticipated that him handling 20 guys was going to do what it, would, what it did. But the Philistines started to panic. And, uh, and they started to, to gather together and, and to, to say, we've got, you know, to protect themselves. And these thousands of Philistines are coming from different places. They see a, a group of, of soldiers coming at them and they go, the scripture says God confused them and they started killing each other. In the end of the story, Israel comes out of their hiding, takes chase of the Philistines, has a great victory, and their faith, their courage is increased because faith and courage is contagious, especially when there's victory. Faith and courage is contagious, just like unbelief and and, 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 and doubt is contagious. Faith and courage 
it's contagious. And God is looking for people who have the heart like Jonathan, who have faith and courage that will, in fact, be contagious to others. Others will graft that. Others will get it. Others will desire it. Others will see what God is doing through you because you're taking steps of faith. And God is coming along, and great things are changing. Great things are happening. And all of a sudden, people start going, you know what? I need faith like them. Maybe I'll trust God like, like they're trusting God. I like J.I. Packard's um, quote. He said this, The Christian motto should not be, let go and let God. It should be, trust God and get going. I agree with that. Trust God and get going. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask this question of you. What are you doing today that requires God in your life, or if God doesn't show up, you will fail. What are you trying to do? What are you accomplishing? What are you, what's the goal? What is, what is, the, what is it that you're doing that requires God? What are you praying for that requires God to do a miracle? If God doesn't come through, you're sunk. When was the last time you really risked anything for the kingdom, for God, for the purposes of God? When did you ever stretch yourself and say, you know what, maybe God will be with me. Let me seek out and see if God will use me in this area or God will do something in my life in this place. I want you to imagine, what would this world be like? What would our nation be like? If every Christian had a Jonathan spirit, if every Christian had that courageous faith, what would Orange County be like if the cornerstone that every person of the cornerstone, every person of this church had that courageous faith, willing to risk, having that end of life kind of beyond the grave anticipation in the way they operated <clears throat> you know the first step for every person the first step is the beginning of life in faith isn't it interesting that our first step in coming to Christ was a risky faith a faith that trusted in God for our eternal uh, salvation, that we believe that Jesus died for our sins and paid for the only way to heaven. We laid aside every other option and only chose him as our savior. You took a step of faith. You have a courage. You've invited Jesus into your life. You decided to become a Christian. If you are a Christian today here, you, you decided to become a Christian, and you, you looked at what Christians are called to be, and you had to have said to yourself, if you were honest, there's no way I could live that life. Now, maybe you got into it before you realized that, but at some point, you go, there is no way for, that I can live the Christian life. 
what God calls Christians to live out, I can't do that, which is actually a reality. You know, someone said the Christian life is difficult. No, it's not. It's impossible. It's impossible, except with God. And so you began to trust the Holy Spirit to help you and God to change your life and God to work on you and to convict you when you sin and you repent and you ask God to forgive you and he cleanses your soul and you start all over again and you fall and you get back up and you trust God because you're operating that level of faith right from the beginning. So what's to keep you from going to the next step? You already have it, folks. You already have it. Let that courage rise up in you. Start to stand. And maybe risk a little bit more. Because God wants to use you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. That Lord, we're the people that, Lord, you look to work through in our lives. Lord, you, you, you laid it out to us. You left this place and risked everything by leaving us in charge of being the proclaimers of the word of God and of the, of the gospel, leaving us to represent you. Lord, you risked so much. Father, I ask that, Lord, we'd rise up Lord, courageously. And let the world know that, Lord, you're alive. You're still the only answer. There is a truth, the word of God. There is absolutes to live by. Lord, let us lift up our heads and, Lord, live as people like C.S. Lewis says, as men and women that really, Lord, have courage, have chests. I pray, God, for those, Lord, who would be distant from you that would be listening this morning, I, I just say to you, let me take that step of faith. It is a courageous step, but listen, Jesus took the most courageous step. He died on the cross for you. He paid your, the penalty for your sins, and he made a way for you to have eternal life. You're lost without him. The clear message of the Bible and the Word of God, the clear message of Jesus is there is only one way. There's not a dozen ways, a thousand ways, a million ways. There's only one. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And you take that step of faith and believe that his death, burial, and resurrection applies to you. You accept him as your Savior. Just simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. I want to follow you. I ask you to help me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's close in worship.
bless you church i bless you today have a great day we'll see you online wednesday night for bible study god bless you may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children oh may his presence go before you and beside you and behind you all around you within you he's with you he's with you in the morning in the evening and you're coming and you're going you're weeping rejoicing he's for you he's for you he's for you for you he's for you he's for you he's for you he's for you